And we're going to go to uh, Detroit with Kaylin with the Detroit Free Press and then uh, Rusty with the San Francisco Chronicles on deck. Why don't you go ahead, Kaylin? Hi. Who do you think will be a good fit for the Pistons in the 18th pick? What will be a good pick for them? Yes. Um, I don't know exactly what they're going to do, but there are a bunch of bunch of players that are going to be available at that slot that can really help them. You know, I think the best, probably the best perimeter player, perimeter shooter, talent-wise, available to them will be Malik Beasley of Florida State. But um, yeah, he he uh, he's coming off an injury. Uh, he had a rod placed in his leg, and um, but you know, it kind of depends on what they want. You know, if Scalabissier of Kentucky is still there. Uh, and I don't think he will be, but uh, but that's a that's a good place to take a risk on a, a player that hasn't lived up to it uh, to this point. There are a number of good foreign players that'll be available at that slot, and I think uh, a lot of the draft analysts have uh, uh, have put some of those guys uh, in that spot. Um, but it really depends on on what Detroit wants, rather than uh, more than anything. I mean, I, I can tell you who the best available players are, but uh, but I don't. You know, I I think you'd have to ask them exactly what they're looking for. Perfect. We'll, uh, we'll continue right along. Rusty with the uh, San Francisco Chronicle is up now, and then Scott with the Advocate is on deck. Rusty, go ahead. Jay, thanks for doing this. Um, the, the Warriors have talked about maybe wanting to get bigger in this draft. Um, wondering what your thoughts are on the big guys who, who might still be available at 30 when, when the Warriors select. Well, at 30, there are – if you're talking – kind of interior big guys at 30 you're probably looking at guys like Damian Jones of Vanderbilt uh, AJ Hammonds of Purdue um, there's a kid out of Weber State named uh, Joel Ballenboy who's a, a, a terrific lengthy bouncy athlete that can really rebound um, you know Diamond Stone of Maryland is, a, is a, a terrific offensive player I've got him rated a little bit lower than than 30 um, but but offensively he can really play and he's young. It's just a, a question of you know will he will he rebound and get in better condition and uh, play with a little more uh, a little better of a, a motor. Um, and then uh, you know I guess Stephen Zimmerman of, of UNLV is a young young player, left-handed. He's got some ability, but uh, I, I rank him a little bit lower than 30. Um, there's one guy that I I expect to be gone by then. Um, but I wouldn't hesitate on if he's still there because uh, it's within that range, and I, I think he's kind of a steal there. It's, it's Bryce Johnson of North Carolina. Uh, he's a, a senior and uh, led his team to the national championship game, but had 23 double-doubles. I think he's best rebounder in the draft, uh, r- really great athlete, can really run, and uh, he's got a, a great shooting touch. Um, so I think in the, with the way that uh, – uh, Golden State plays and his ability, you know, his mobility and his ability to move his feet and his explosiveness and, and shot making ability. I, I like him a lot. Thank you very much, Jeff. Sure, thank you. All right, Scott with the Advocate, you're up now. And then uh, Chris with the uh, Lansing State newspaper, you're on deck. So, Scott, go ahead. Thank you. Uh, hey, Jay, uh, calling you from um, Louisiana. Uh, Obviously, we've seen all the reports about Ben Simmons and the Sixers. Uh, I want to ask you about him and Damian Jones. First of all, with Ben, uh, if you were a general manager, is there anything that would give you pause about giving him, going with him as the number one overall pick? And Damian, do you have, where do you do you see him rated uh, as a late first round guy? And if and if so, why? If not, why? 
Uh, I don't. I wouldn't hesitate to draft Ben Simmons number one. Uh, he's incredibly productive. They, they just don't make guys like that very often that have that kind of size and uh, skill level. Uh, you know, he can he can go off the bounce with either hand. He passes with either hand. Uh, he's a, a, a volume rebounder. You know, and he can take a, he can take a defensive rebound and go, and he's unselfish. Um, you know, I, I I think he can defend. Uh, I've seen him do it. And uh, you know when he when he wants to lock down and not let guys get past him, he can you know he does. Um, he's not a great shooter, uh, and that's one thing that that is a bit of a concern. But he does make his free throws, and I think he can uh, he can improve upon that. I'm not I'm not suggesting that somehow he's going to be Steph Curry, but what I'm saying is he can be he can be a a, a competent shooter where you're going to have to go out and guard him. And if you have to go out and guard him, he can get by you. And you know, for a guy that really didn't shoot any jump shots, he only took uh, took three three point shots and very few jump shots throughout the course of the year. Uh, he averaged just under 20 points per game and uh, and shot you know 55 percent. He got to, he got to the basket at will. And as a lefty, he went left 71 percent of the time, and still nobody could stop him. Um, he he's, he had one of those seasons that you just don't see very often. We you haven't seen anybody put up those kind of numbers in in decades. Uh, I, I was I was incredibly impressed. So while while he he's got um, he's not perfect, you know he, he doesn't shoot it the way you would you would hope he would. Uh, he, in every other area, uh, he's the he's the best in the draft. And then you said uh, Damian Jones from Vanderbilt, right? Yeah, do you um, see him as a late first rounder or maybe sliding to late. The- yeah, I do. I see late first round, early second, um, because of his size and uh, and athleticism. You know, he's he's six eleven, seven feet, and he's got a wingspan close to seven four. Uh, he can really run, and he's got a lot of ability. Uh, a little bit inconsistent with how hard he plays and how productive he is. Uh, and he got it. You know, he got it handed to him a few times. You know, AJ Hammonds outplayed him, and um, uh, but he's a he's a terrific kid. And uh, you know, I, I've heard people ask the question. You know, he's such a good kid. Is he is he kind of mean enough to to play in the NBA? And and uh, it's just a question of of being. Uh, I don't think you know. I don't I don't term it mean. I just think is is it how productive is he going to be and how aggressive uh, uh, going after it is he because uh, he can he can really be a an excellent low post defender and rim protector. And he is uh, very good in, in, in pick and roll uh, situations, and he can he's got a very good shooting touch out to about 18 feet, um, and uh, and does a does a pretty good job around the rim. He just needs to do it uh, at a higher level and sustain it for longer periods. But he's got a lot of ability. Perfect. All right, we'll continue right on, uh, right along, Chris, with uh, Lansing State. You're up now, and then uh, Jerry with Lexington Herald is on deck. Chris, go ahead. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate you doing this. Uh, obviously, a couple of the Michigan State guys uh, early in the process were considered potential fringe lottery guys. Can you talk a little bit about you know, maybe with Deontay Davis? What's kind of uh, the, the buzz around him at the moment, and? And how much is Denzel Valentine's knee affecting him right now in the draft works? Well, um, first on Deontay, he is, uh, you know, he fits the suit. He's, he's big and athletic and, and long-armed. Uh, he runs well. He's just raw. Um, you know, if you, uh, if you stretch out his, uh, his per-game averages to, to 40 minutes, you know, per 40 minutes he averaged over 16 a game, just about 12 rebounds and, and four blocks a game. 
Um, he is, uh, he's not an offensive player yet. Uh, so he needs more development in, uh, in that area. Um, but as a rebounder, as a shot blocker, as a guy that can run the floor, uh, and then especially an offensive rebounder, um, he's got a lot of value. The, the question is, he's got, he's got a, a, a distance to travel in his development. And this is just me talking now. I mean, I I think in order to be a great player, you have the same steps are needed now that uh, that were needed 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. It's just a question of where you're going to take those steps. You're going to take them in college. You're going to take them while you're getting a paycheck in the pros. Um, the question is really how hard is he going to work? And uh, and if he works at it, uh, he's got the ability to be really really good because he's young and he's got a lot of he's got a lot of uh, of talent. Uh, as far as Denzel is concerned. Um, you know, I've heard the uh, the issues with his knee uh, and knees. I do not. I would not be overly concerned with it, were it me. But each one of these NBA teams has uh, has a medical staff that will pass on that. And if they don't red flag it, uh, I think you're getting a, a proven winner that has gotten better every single year he's been in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he he his shot has improved. Uh, he's gone from a non-shooter when he got to uh, to Michigan State to being a guy who's a really good shooter with a with a quick release and. You know NBA range. Um, he just he knows how to play and uh, and he's a good leader. He knows how to win. I think his only problem uh, in the NBA is going to be uh, on the defensive end. He's not a uh, he's not a spectacular athlete, and so uh, so staying in front of of some of these big time athletes at his position is going to be a challenge. But uh, but I don't I don't doubt that he'll uh, he'll figure it out. And with those other two guys that went to Portsmouth, with with Costello and and Forbes, how much did that help them get into that conversation at the back end of the draft? At the back end of the draft? Yeah. I don't see either Matt or Bryn getting drafted, but that may be better for them um, because as as undrafted free agents, they can pick where they go and and pick a team that may have a need for them. Uh, you know, you get drafted. Sometimes you get caught in a numbers game, and uh, and it sounds great to get drafted, but uh, but sometimes in that situation, you're better off picking the best situation for yourself. You know, Bryn's an excellent shooter. Um, he's slight of build. He's not big and strong for the the two guard spot, uh, so it's going to be a challenge for him physically, and and a, a bit of a challenge on the defensive end. And uh, Matt Matt's bigger and stronger, uh, and uh, you know, a good big guy that can run and and set screens and and rebound. Um, but uh, but he's going to have to find the right situation. Thanks, Jay. Thank you. All right, Jerry down in uh, Lexington, you are up now, and then John with uh, Waco Tribune is on deck. Jerry, go ahead. Okay, I hope I can ask two questions. Uh, one, sure. uh, with us, with Scal Lavissier, uh I'm wondering what other player or players come to mind who uh, were not overly productive as college players and yet are projected as lottery picks, perhaps. And also, uh, how when you hear uh, players assessed and you hear all of that, a lot of times you don't hear a lot mentioned about their play in college, and I'm wondering how how important is college competition in terms of uh, evaluating uh, an NBA prospect? Good questions. Uh, as far as Scal's concerned, I can't think of, of an analog to him in a past draft where a guy came in and he was expected to be you know, top two or three pick and the bottom fell out under him. Uh, after his freshman year, and then he came out anyway. Um, I think he's you know, he, he's the most difficult prospect to figure out in this whole draft for me 
um, because he uh, he's got some really uh, solid uh, selling points. You know, he's a he's a got an excellent shooting touch. Uh, he can he's, his timing is good. He can block shots, um, but yeah, you know, he didn't do it in games, and he got pushed around by guys that uh, got pushed around by other people, and so it it. it that was a little bit surprising to me, frankly. Um, you know, but but he he does he's a gamble. Um, he he didn't show uh, the ability to handle physicality, and and frankly, you know, yeah, you questioned his toughness after the season. Um, he showed flashes, but uh, but you know, he's got some potential, and uh, uh, you know, I think that he's going one on none in all these workouts, and you can see the talent. But but he's going to have to play in a crowd, and uh, and he hasn't shown really that he can do that yet. That's the that's where the gamble comes in. But uh, in the middle of the first round, I think he's worth taking a risk on. Um, as far as college is concerned, um, it's kind of a balance that uh, the way I see it anyway, in my view, it's a balance between what a player does in college. That, those are part of the data points that you consider. But the the other parts are. You know what's the physical makeup uh, and uh, of the player? Because if you look over the course of of history with this draft, um, you know you have to fall within a certain range physically of of what you can do. And and this is the most athletic uh, professional league in the world, in my my judgment. And uh, there are very few players that don't fit the athletic profile, both you know size for position, length, athleticism that uh, that wind up. Uh, overcoming that, uh, usually it's the other way around. Usually it's the unskilled superior athlete that winds up overcoming uh, a lack of skill rather than uh, a, a lesser athlete uh, overcoming a lack of athleticism with superior skill. Thanks. Okay, John, down in uh, Waco, you're up now, and then Gary Washburn with the Boston Globe is on deck. John, go ahead. Yeah, hi, Jay. Um, I, I was wondering your opinion on uh, Torian Prince at Baylor. What would he bring to a team? And, and about where do you see him going? I've got Torian Prince at the end of the first round. Um, you know, he's 6'9", he's 6'8", six, six, or so, very athletic, uh, and he's got the wingspan of a kid 6'11". Um, he, uh, he was productive in college. He can shoot it from the perimeter and has really good range. Uh, he can put it on the deck a little bit, and, and, and he's got a little floater. He can get to the rim. Um, he didn't do particularly well in pick-and-roll situations, but he's one of those guys that uh, athletically, lengthwise, can, can space the floor and, uh, and be, a, be a, a solid piece on a, on a good NBA team. Um, you know, he's been a good rebounder throughout his career. Not a great one, but, but productive. Uh, and he's continued to improve. Um, but his his ability to make threes, I think he shot in the, the high 30s last year, um, and most of them were spot ups. Uh, he's uh, uh, I think he's he's got he's got ability, and uh, and at the end of the first round, he'll be getting with a team where he can step in and and uh, and be a contributor. Okay, thanks, Jay. Okay, Gary Washburn with uh, the Boston Globe. You're up now, and then Mark uh, out in Des Moines uh, will be on deck. Gary, go ahead. AJ, two questions. Uh, well, what, what's your thoughts on Boston at three? And because it seems like I have a lot of choices. And the second question is, it seems like regardless of how technologically advanced this draft stuff gets, it's still pretty much a crapshoot. I mean, um, 
with with guy, you know, just looking at the past drafts, even as much as you can study and look at these guys, how frustrating is that, or is that just the way it's always going to be? Uh, those are my two questions. Um, boy, really good ones. Um, on the first question, uh, Boston's got a lot of different options if they decide to keep keep that pick. Um, I I rate Chris Dunn of Providence as the best uh, prospect outside of Simmons and Ingram in that order. Uh, but but also you can make a good case for Jamal Murray of Kentucky as as one of the two best shooters in the draft, or the the freakiest of freak athletes in the draft, Marquise Chris of Washington, who's you know six nine six ten, and he, he I don't think he's even within two years of shaving. And and he just he's, he's a ridiculous athlete with uh, with a tremendous amount of uh, of ability, but I put I put Dunn highest on the list there because uh, he, I think he's an elite defender uh, that can uh, can guard any perimeter player you throw at him, and uh, and he's a he's a terrific transition point guard that can finish plays. He's just older, you know, he's 22, 23 years old. Um, as far as the draft is concerned. Um, I'm not frustrated by it. I'm impressed by it, that, that how hard it is to figure out. I don't think the NBA draft differs in one measure from the NFL draft or Major League Baseball. Um, you know, you, you, if you look at all those drafts, you see um, tremendous value found later at times, and you see uh, you know, picks at the top of the draft where mistakes are made. And, uh, uh, you know, I mean – Football's got Ryan Leaf, and um, you know basketball's got Greg Oden, and uh, we've got all kinds of uh, baseball's got a, a thousand uh, picks like that. Um, I think the difference is in basketball, things have changed a little bit because uh, we're no longer looking at four years of data in college, so you're you're going off of limited information. And you know, I'd be really interested, you know, what the NFL draft would look like if they could draft freshmen. And, you know, whether they would have taken Peyton Manning one or how they would have processed all that, um, because, you know, football gets four, sometimes five years to look at a prospect before before the draft uh, basketball, you're getting you're getting one or two. And uh, it's a it's a totally different dynamic. But um, one, one of the things I've gained a great appreciation for over the years is is how hard it is for these NBA teams to make these decisions. And uh, and they're stuck with them, you know, like. Uh, for all of us that put out our, our opinions, you know, we, we put opinions out on, on every, you know, every first-round pick, say. Uh, so, you know, we're on record on what we think all these players and how we rank them. But we don't have to live with them, and they do. They, they draft them, and that follows them around for the rest of their careers as, as uh, executives. And uh, I have a lot of respect for the way they do the job. And really, I don't think with all the analytics and all the, the sort of the intelligence gathered, that uh, anybody's trying to suggest they have it figured out. I think what they're trying to do is just get the most information so they can make the the best informed decision uh, that they can and try to avoid some of these mistakes that, that, that you've pointed out, rightfully so. Thank you. Perfect. And just as a reminder, we will have a transcript here available later today for anybody that joined late and missed that. So continuing on, we're going to have uh, Mark uh, out in Des Moines and then uh, Ron uh, Higgins down in New Orleans on deck. Mark, go ahead. Hey, Jay. I'm wondering what you think of uh, Jared Utah in terms of where you project him going and what he could bring to an NBA team. And then also, does it hurt him being 23 years old? 
Um, I've got Jared in the second round, and uh, does it hurt him being 23 years old or 22, 23 years old? No, um, but if he were younger, you know, he might be projected to be more. Um, that's kind of the way the way it works. I mean, I think you know they, they everybody kind of thinks they know who Jared is right now, and uh, you know I'm among those. You know, you, you've watched him for a period of time, and you got a feel for who he is. That doesn't mean that he's not going to continue to get better. Um, he because in the old days nobody ever said you know when everybody was 22 or 23 nobody ever said that oh this guy's not going to get any better um, you know that's that's not that's absurd it's just these other guys have have uh, larger uh, development curves because they're further behind on them uh, and, and that goes for even even uh, Brandon Ingram you know Ben Simmons is a full year older than Brandon Ingram so you kind of have to try to factor that in and. You know, and the reason you do that is if if you had seen Buddy Heald as a freshman, it wouldn't have impressed you very much. Um, but look at him now, you know, three four years later. So um, you kind of look at that with other players. You know, what's what's their growth going to be like? What are they going to look like when they're 23 or 24 years old? Um, because you're not going to, you know, these days you don't get to you don't get to wait anymore. Uh, as far as Jared's concerned, like he's he's versatile and. You know, he's got a, a 6'11 wingspan, and he can shoot it. Uh, he's got mid-range ability. He can handle and pass the ball. And uh, he's actually proven to be a really good shot blocker with, with you know, blocking perimeter shots. Um, I think he was the only BCS player that had 600 points, 200 rebounds, and, and over 80 block shots this year. Um, you wonder, though, you know, is that going to translate def- on the defensive end once he gets into the NBA? But uh but he's got he's got ability and he can step in there with his versatility, knock down shots, space the floor, um, and uh, and I think he can hang on the defensive end. It's just a question of you know what, what to, to me it's not what difference to make whether he goes 50th or 48th or or, or 59th um, as long as he gets with the right team. I think he can be a help to somebody. Thank you. Okay, Ron with uh, NOAA.com is up now, and then we'll go to Scott in uh, Cedar Rapids after that. So, Ron, go ahead. Hey, Jay, how you doing? Great, how are you? Good. Question on Ben Simmons. Uh, LSU had a terrible year last year, didn't make the tournament. Um, Johnny Jones and Ben caught a lot of criticism for the year. And the whole equation of assessing Ben Simmons, did last year really matter at all to him? I mean, did, I mean, good or bad, did it matter? Well, I mean, did it matter in where he's going to get drafted? No. Um, I think it mattered to him personally. Um, you know, I don't I don't know exactly how he processed it because I don't know him particularly well. I've been around him a little bit, uh, but but I would I would never say that I know him. Um, but he didn't really have a he didn't really have a choice. He got to go somewhere. I I, I just. I kind of wonder, though, like what would we say if, if like, so the decision, and it sounds like Philadelphia has already made it, but the decision uh, was between Brandon Ingram and Simmons. So what if what if we had just swapped those guys and Simmons had gone to Duke and Brandon Ingram had gone to LSU? Do you think Ingram would have done any? It would have it would have done things differently and and turned that team into a winner. Or would it was it more likely that Simmons would have been viewed as 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 a, a big time winner going to Duke, and uh, and fitting in with a different different group uh, in a different you know different environment? I don't know the answer to that. But all I know is when Simmons in high school is 63 and one, and uh, you know he's he's a good player, <laughs> and and he, they don't make him like him very often. Um, so I I I think he's um, you know he doesn't shoot it well. 
but I think he can improve there. I don't ever think he's going to be. I don't ever think he's going to be Clay Thompson or anything. But but he can he can improve there. And uh, uh, but I I like I I just don't know the right answer as far as you know where should a guy who you know is going to be out after a year where should he go? You know what's the best for his brand, his talent, his uh, future? Because you know we are in the business of picking picking people apart. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with what we're doing here. But uh, um, you know you start wondering about well is he is he a winner or um, you know is he uh, is, is he entitled? I've heard that a lot. Uh, you know he had a camera crew following him around all year long. Uh, they put LSU put billboards up of him before he ever got there, and uh, uh, you know he's coming. And so that he was the chosen one at LSU before he ever ever got on campus and was was you know sold sold and billed as such, and that's a lot that's a lot on a player. Thanks. <clears throat> All right, Scott out in uh, Cedar Rapids, you're up now, and then Paul down in Arizona will be on deck. Scott, go ahead. Yeah, Jay, thanks for doing this. I wanted to ask you about Marcus Page. I mean, his intangibles are off the charts. He's come through some with some big moments over his career. Uh, but where does the skill set take him at the next level? Can he get drafted? Is he more of a of a project, a D-leaguer, and then maybe work into the NBA? What, what kind of upside do you see with Marcus Page? I don't think – I've watched Marcus all throughout his career. I, I haven't covered a better kid. Um, just an amazing young man and, uh, and has had a, a great college career. I, I absolutely believe that he can play in the NBA. Um, I do not think he's going to be drafted. Um, you know, he, he really struggled to shoot the ball, especially for him this last year. And uh, you know, the question is whether he can play the point guard in, uh, in the NBA because that's what he's going to have to do. He's too small and too slight a build to be a two-guard in that league. So if he can play the point, uh, I think he can find a place. And I don't think you know, getting drafted um, uh, probably limits his chances. Uh, I think he's got to be able to find a place, find a team that would value him. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, his production went down this last year. Um, but, you know, he's good out of pick and rolls. He can pass it. Um, uh, you know, but, but he's, he's, not, he's, not a big, he's not big and strong. Uh, you know, over the course of his four years, um, you know, he didn't really put on a lot of muscle, and he's going to need some muscle uh, when he gets to the league. Thanks, Jay. Okay, Paul out in uh, Arizona. You're up uh, now, and then uh, Brett down back down in New Orleans will be on deck. So, Paul, go ahead. All right, thanks, Jay. If, if uh, Dragon Bender hadn't been on a, a European pro team of you know, men and, and was a freshman at a major college program, what do you think he would have done? And, and how do you value him next to, in a draft next to Marquise Chris? Um, that's a good question. I, I, I think it just depends. I haven't seen Bender in person. That's the problem that I have with that. Uh, so Fran Fraschilla has, and he'd, he'd be a better person to ask that question. Uh, so I would defer to Fran on that one. I think anytime you haven't seen somebody in person, you're you're operating. At least I I've always felt like I'm operating at a little bit of a deficit. Um, but uh, uh, you know, Chris, I have seen a, a fair amount, and I think you know he's got he's got crazy potential. Um, yeah, you know, he hasn't been playing for very long, and his athleticism, like he's a better athlete than Bender. Uh, Bender can shoot it. Uh, he's got size. He can step away and. 
you know, he's being compared to Porzingis primarily because they're both foreign. Uh, but um, you know, in today's game, he's he he fits the game where he can he can step away and stretch the floor. Uh, Chris is a ridiculous athlete. I mean, just ridiculous. All, all his you know, the run, jump, explosiveness, uh, his his crazy length, uh, all that stuff is just sort of. We keep saying, you know, it almost sounds cliche to say off the charts, but it truly is off the charts. And uh, so I would, I would probably put um, Marquise Chris a little bit ahead. And if Bender had gone to college, we'd know more about him. You know, it's, it's kind of like if Scalabissier had played overseas. You know, we, he'd be there'd be a little bit of mystery surrounding him because you haven't seen him as much. And uh, after you've seen somebody for an extended period, uh, you get a pretty good feel for him. And it uh, doesn't mean you're going to be right because, as, as we pointed out earlier, this is – you talk about an inexact science. This is as inexact as it gets. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I think I would put, you know, kind of the idea of, of – uh, Bender just hasn't he, – he's younger, hasn't had as, as much of a chance to, to get in there. That doesn't mean he's not going to get it done because uh, guys have, have accomplished – great things before without, you know, without showing it uh, on some of these, uh, you know, high level uh, European professional teams. And the same goes for, for guys that haven't done it in college yet. You've had guys that have had, you know, um, non-productive first years that have come into the NBA and done very, very well. And just one quick follow-up on Chris. He, he gets tagged with uh, an immaturity label or emotional. Have you seen or heard that displayed in him? I've seen it in him. Yeah, he is immature, but he's immature because he's 18. And uh, uh, but that's not that's not really a knock. It's just it's just a, an acknowledgement that he's young and he's gonna he's gonna continue to to grow uh, as a person and as a competitor. And you know the one thing, like you know, here's an example. Like he's got the ability to block shots because he's got a seven foot wingspan. He's six ten. Uh, and he's got a vertical leap. Like how many six ten guys have a thirty nine forty inch vertical? I mean, I, I can't think of that many. Maybe there maybe there are, and I'm just forgetting it. But um, you know, so he he can block shots, but he also had like a hundred and forty fouls, and and you know that's almost that's over four a game, and that's one of the highest foul percentages in the last twenty five years. So, you know, he, he he's going to have to. It's kind of like uh, you know, and I'm I'm a little too young to uh, to be throwing this one around, but it's kind of like the old story about Sandy Koufax, you know, when he's for, when he was first with Brooklyn after coming out of the university of Cincinnati, you know, he would throw, he'd be hitting the backstop. But after he, after he got his control down, he, he kind of took off. And, uh, and that may be a, 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 maybe a similar analogy for, uh, uh, for Marquise Chris. Okay. Thanks a bunch. Jay. Thank you. All right, Brett with uh, down in New Orleans, you're up now, and then Alex with Inside the Hall is on deck. Brett, go ahead. Hey, Jay, knowing what you know about Anthony Davis and what he can do, if you're New Orleans at six, are there any players who you think, you know, their their particular skill set, whether it's a shooter who would command attention or, or another big guy maybe who would play well with him, is there, are, is there a guy or two in that range who you think fit particularly well with Davis? Well, they, they – I think uh, uh, the Pelicans need a number of different things. It's not just one thing, but I know they, they need guards and they need a little bit more help on the defensive end. Um, and so, it, you know, picking at six, you know, that Buddy Heald is, is, a, uh, is a good guard that can really shoot it. Jamal Murray could still be there who can really shoot it. 
so those two guys, it's possible that Chris Dunn could fall there, um, depending on you know where Bender goes. Where because like if Marquise Chris and Dragon Bender go, you know three four, and you know then then maybe Murray goes five. All of a sudden, Chris Dunn is uh, is your pick, and then you've got somebody falling to you that I think is the third best prospect in the draft. Uh, you know, Dunn has had some shoulder issues. He's had, he's had a couple of shoulder surgeries, and uh, you know I, I have been told that he he didn't uh, he didn't do a medical for anyone. Um, so you know I don't know exactly how the teams are going to process that, but that would be the only concern I'd have with with Chris Dunn. Every you know if he if he if you're not flagging him medically. Uh, he's a real deal. I, I really like him. Now, is he as good as Dwayne Wade or anything like that? I'm not saying that, but but he's uh, uh, in this draft. Um, it, it, for me, it goes Simmons, Ingram, and then Dunn. Thanks. <clears throat> okay, Alex with Inside the Hall. You're up now, and then Sean with the North State Journal is on deck. Alex, go ahead. Thank you for taking the time to do this, Jay. Appreciate it. Um, curious on the uh, the two Indiana guys, Yogi Ferrell and Troy Williams. Uh, what kind of your thoughts on both of those guys? The potential uh, for either of them to get picked, and maybe more importantly, if they're not picked, uh, do you see them having any future in the NBA? Uh, I was wondering what the hall was, whether it was going to be uh, Virginia or Seton Hall, or now I know it's Assembly Hall. So um, I think uh, Troy Williams is probably. Uh, going to be at or around the end of the second round. Um, I do think he's a draftable player because of his uh, his athleticism, his ability to run the floor, uh, and his ability to to finish plays, um, you know, in transition. And I think he can be a, a good defender um, because he he kind of fits the suit there. You know, he's got he's got size. Um, you know, he's not crazy long, but he's a, he's got a yeah, he's a he's a high flyer. You know, he's got he's explosive and plays with a lot of energy, uh, more of a driver than anything. Um, but but really did a good job in in transition. Uh, can hit some perimeter shots, but not quite an NBA range three point shooter. Um, you know, I think he should be a better defender with his athleticism. Um, but but he's done a he's done a, a good job. Uh, but I, I think that his value is in the fact he brings energy, athleticism, and uh, and he can finish plays. He's just got to play with uh, a little bit more um, efficiency, you know, not turn the ball over, take better shots, things like that. Uh, Yogi is uh, a smaller guard, and uh, he did a very good job. He kept getting better and better. He can shoot it, uh, good leader, uh, very good job uh, creating for himself and for others out of pick-and-roll situations. Um, gets his shot off quickly. Uh, he can shoot it off the catch. He can shoot it off the dribble. Uh, pretty good in isolation. He's just not got a lot of size, and uh, and that's you know he's not a superior he's not a superior athlete, and he doesn't have a lot of size. And so I I do not believe he's going to get drafted. He wasn't invited to the combine. I thought he should have been, um, but he wasn't, and that's a pretty good indicator that uh, that he's not you know he's not on the draft. He's not high enough up on the draft radar. Um, but like I've said about other players, I think he, he may be better off not getting drafted. That Then he can pick where he goes and uh, and have a better opportunity to, to, to make a team. Thank you. Okay, I believe uh, Sean from uh, the North State Journal had dropped off, so we're just going to continue right along and uh, go with Nathan down in Lafayette up now. 
and then uh, Adam will be Adam Biggers will be on deck. So Nathan, go ahead. Hey, thanks for doing this, Jay. Uh, I wanted to ask about Purdue's AJ Hammonds. Uh, you mentioned him already as someone that you think could be in the mix as high as 30, but there's others that think he's more of a mid to even late round, uh, late second round guy. Um, just kind of how do you assess? I guess his his career leading up to this point and where you think he fits in for the NBA. I think AJ Ham as it comes down to um, for for him, like how, how hard do you think he's going to play, and how uh, you know how uh, uh, resolute is he uh, to rev up that motor and really go after people. Um, he was very productive this year, much more so than he has been in the past. Um, you know, he's long armed. He's very talented. Uh, I think his only issue was sort of consistent want to. You know, he's a very good low post sh- uh, scorer. Uh, he's a good shooter facing up and a, and a very good offensive rebounder. Uh, he can protect the rim. He's a good shot blocker. Uh, I think I mentioned before, you know, watched him earlier, he dominated uh, Damian Jones, who's rated a little bit higher than he is, a kid from Vanderbilt. And he, had, uh, he had a double-double, and he, he almost had a triple-double, including block shots. Um but, uh, uh, you know, it's just sort of a question, like, he's 23 years old, I think, 23 or 24. And so, you know, you should, you should do well against uh, younger, younger talent when you're that old. Um, but, uh, you know, at, at this point, uh, I think he's supposed to have figured it out. And, uh, but I think he's, a, I think he's a, a, a good pick early in the second round or late in the first. And, uh, and especially if he goes to a good team. Uh, I think he can really help uh, help somebody. Okay, we're going to go with uh, Adam Biggers at today today's u dot com, and then we're going to finish up with uh, Chip with ESPN Radio. So, Adam, go ahead. Hey, Jay, thanks for your time. Um, kind of going back to what you said a, a, a few questions ago about the, the limited window, you know, with Cal- when you were at the benefits of college and you know sometimes we don't get to see guys you know uh you know more than a couple of years on that note looking at michigan's karis lavert how big of a risk to reward prospect is he really you know having just a little bit more than two full years during his four years at michigan i think the only risk with karis is uh is his health um, you know, he's had a couple of foot surgeries, and that's the only reason that he's not a first-round pick. In fact, I think he's a lottery talent. Uh, but he's had he's had those injuries that one that kept him out basically all year this year. He played a little bit early on, uh, but that's it. So you know, I've got him ranked in the second round right now. But it's just a health thing. You know, you just don't. He's had multiple injuries. You don't know where he where he stands on that. Um, you know, he's he's athletic. He's six. You know, he's got a wingspan of six ten. Very, very skilled. Uh, he can shoot it, um, and he's a really good spot-up shooter, but he can shoot at the three-point range. Um, not as good of a pull-up jump shooter, but, uh, but he's been pretty efficient through, uh, throughout his time there. Uh, he, he defends fairly well. Um, his length really helps him there, and he's got a, he's got a, a, a good feel passing it. Um, so, you know, I, I think his time, you know, if you, if you look at his averages, in his time at Michigan and, and push him out to 40 minutes. And sometimes people do it to 36. I happen to do it to 40 because it's easier to wrap my head around with a, a full college game without coming out. Um, you know, he averaged like over 21 uh, and, and close to seven rebounds and close to seven assists. Um, he's really productive. And so I, you know, I, 
I think he's got a chance to be to be very good, but uh, uh, it's a question of his health. And if if you if you are uh, satisfied that he's uh, you know he's passed all these things and he's going to stay healthy, then uh, then I I think he's a first round pick. If I could follow up with a, a Michigan State question, you were asked a little bit ago about about Deontay Davis and and kind of going back to the time in college thing, uh, developmentally wise that he's not a you know not yet an offensive player do you think that he was he's a kid that who would have benefited from another year in college or do you think that now was the time and, and he had really no other choice well everybody has a choice um you know it's just a question of like i, I think i mentioned that uh I, I happen to believe that the and this is just my view i happen to believe that the steps that a player needs to take in order to be a great are the same now that they've ever been. You know, there's no shortcut to it. The The only question for each player, and it's an individual decision that each player has to make, is where do you want to take those steps? If you want to take those steps in college, or at least some of those steps, uh, that's a wonderful training ground. There's a developmental component to the NBA now. You can take those steps in the NBA and actually devote more of your time to your development in the NBA than you can in college. There's the, the D-League, you know, there, there's all kinds of, uh, of opportunities to develop even while you're sitting on a bench in the NBA um, uh, because, you know, you can work nonstop in the NBA. There's no there's no 20-hour uh, limit or any of that nonsense that the NCAA puts on you um, working with your coaches. So um, to me, it's just an individual decision. We have it in our way of thinking with people of our generation. We look at college as being the best place. It, that's not necessarily true for every player. Um, it's traditionally been true because there aren't a lot of options, frankly. You know, you're either going to go pro or you're going to stay in school. And uh, and if you're going to stay in school, you know, you're going to you're going to accept the unilateral terms that are imposed upon you. Um, but a lot of players now, you know, one thing that I I try to tell my I'm 52 years old. I try to tell my my friends now is, you know, we look at it a certain way at our age. But you got to remember these players. You know, they, they, were, they were born in, you know, born in the 90s. Um, and so it, not, not one of them has been born uh, into a time where players, uh, stay, where the best players stayed for four years. Not one. And uh, so they've never lived in a time where the, where the best players stayed. So, you know, we can't, I, I don't think we can reasonably ask them to look at it the way we do. They just don't. Appreciate it, Jay. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, now Chip, who was going to have our last question, has actually dropped off. So this is going to conclude the call. Uh, as mentioned, we'll have a transcript available that we will email out and then also be available on our ESPN Media Zone website as well in just a little while. So, Jay, thank you for uh, taking the time. And everybody, thanks for joining the call. And uh, look forward to the draft coverage on Thursday. Thank you.